Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, great to see you. Hey, how many of you believe that we serve a God who wants to revive the hearts of the city of Miami? Come on, give a shout of praise to God. Hey, man, hey, what a wonderful day it is to worship God, isn't it? It's always a great day to worship God. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, and if you are a first-time guest at one of our campuses, perhaps uh, at Coral Gables downtown, Doral Campus, uh, West Kendall, uh, Redland, Homestead, or even here at our Palmetto Bay campus, listen, we love the fact that you joined us today to study God's Word. Can we encourage our first-time guests today? Man, what a great day. And listen, we're glad you're here because it is a great day here because we're starting a brand new series called Skeptics Welcome. And it's an apologetic series, and we're going to be answering a lot of the hard questions that we have about God and the things of God. And uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's starting off, it's launching a, um, a year-long study through the book of Genesis. And the first way we're going to do it is by tackling some of these important, good, hard, why questions that we have. And so the first question that we have that we're going to tackle today is, does God even exist? How can we know? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, wherever you find yourself, you can follow along with me, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. It says, in the beginning, what? What is it? Yeah, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. And then in the book of Isaiah, God says to us, come now. Come now, all you people, all my people, even you skeptical ones, come. Let us what? Reason, Reason together, says the Lord. In other words, listen, God wants you to ask those questions even, and to reason with him about what is ultimately truth. Amen? That is God's word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. Uh, you know, many of you know that Ashley and I have two beautiful children. Uh, one of them is Mateo, who just turned one year old, yeah? We, we had a little picture, at, a little makeshift uh, studio at home we made, and he was actually very terrified of this little cake. In fact, we have another picture. Yeah, that was most of, it, of the time that we were trying to take pictures of Mateo. But we also have a three-and-a-half-year-old whose name is Camila. Yeah, and uh, man, she is going, growing up so quick, and uh, she's the funniest, little spunkiest little girl. But follow me here, because Camila is in a stage where she's asking a lot of why questions. You all remember those, that season in life, yeah, when they were asking a lot of why questions? 
And she asked questions about everything. Even just right now, when they got to church, she was asking, Daddy, why is your car parked here? Daddy, why, why is there rain? What is there rain? Daddy, why are we walking this way, right? It's just why question after why question after why question. In fact, child psychologists say that children in this stage ask between 200 and 300 questions a day. Oh, yeah, a day. And family, they don't ask these questions because they want to annoy parents. Oh, no. They ask these questions because they, it was designed by their creator to ask these questions. It was hardwired into their hearts to ask those questions. In fact, just recently we went to the doctor, Camila's doctor, for a general checkup. And one of the questions that she had for us is Camila asking those why questions. Why? Because she said that if she's asking those questions, it shows that she is taking important steps in her development. You see, why questions is a sign that she wants to know more about the world around her. Because the more why questions she has answered, get this, the more secured and the more confident she will be. And folks, do not miss this because me as her earthly father... Listen, when she comes up to me with all those why questions, even those skeptical questions, listen, I welcome those questions. Why? Because the more questions that I answer for her, the more secured and the more confident she will be, not only in life, but also in her relationship with me, her earthly father. Folks, let me just bring that whole story over to our, our, t- our teaching for today because, listen, what an image of our Heavenly Father, right? And by that I mean that just like me, as Camila's earthly father, I welcome all of those questions just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we dive into God's Word. You know, our Heavenly Father, our Creator God, listen, He welcomes our questions even the skeptical questions. Why? Because he knows that the more questions we have answered, the more secure you will be and confident you will be not only in your daily life, but also and more importantly in your relationship with your heavenly father. Amen? Amen. And who knows, maybe right now you're watching, you just first time here, you started coming, you're thinking, you know what, Omar, I, I, I have some questions of my own. You know, I I think maybe I'm a Christian, I'm here, but, you know, there's a couple questions. And I feel sometimes when I, even asking those questions of God, it almost makes me feel that I'm doing something wrong. But I didn't know that he welcomes our questions. And so listen, in this series called Skeptics Welcome, in both our weekend service and in our small group Bible studies, Listen, we're going to be tackling a lot of these questions so that we can be secure and confident in our Christian faith. Which, by the way, if you have not joined a small group, I want to encourage you, join a small group Bible study and grow in your relationship with the Lord like never before, all right? And so listen, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. First verse of the Bible, and we're going to kick off this series today. So today I have three thoughts for us. On all these questions that we have. So write this down as point number one. Here's the first one. And the first thing we need to know is that God welcomes 
skeptics who question his existence. Now let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It says, in the beginning what? God. God. Stop right there for just a moment and let us set up the scene for us. Because a question of whether or not God exists has to be one of the most basic, fundamental questions that humanity has. In fact, all the questions that we have, somehow, someway, they come back to the point of whether or not there's truly a God. Here's the thing. It's quite natural for the human condition to want to ask questions, to even have doubtful questions. Because it's a, we have a moral and an intellectual responsibility to examine what we believe and to be secure in what we feel is truth. Amen? And listen, my dream, my hope is that Christ Fellowship is, will always be a place where not only people who have put their faith in Christ and our believers come together to learn more, but also a place where people who are skeptical, people who are new to the faith, who want to know more about God, we can all come together, amen, and grow in our knowledge of God. And folks, here's the good thing. Write this down. That's letter A. And that is that God welcomes skeptics seeking truth. Again, I love that God's word says, come now, all my people. Come now, all you skeptics. Let us reason together, says the Lord. See, God wants us to pursue truth and, and, and reason through our faith, not apart from him, but with him. He wants us to reason together with him. But folks, you know, there was a moment in history where humanity, thinking that they were becoming wiser, actually strayed from truth. And that was the Enlightenment era during the 1600s and 1700s, oddly enough called the age of reason. And so let me just give us a little bit of a, hist a brief historical context of this because the way that many people think today has been influenced by this era. And so the more we understand this era, the better we understand uh, the skeptics of today, so to speak. So the first person that I want to highlight from that era is Rene Descartes. And Rene Descartes was actually someone who had really good intentions, and he wanted to confirm the Christian faith. He wanted to do so. But his approach was to approach everything with doubt. Everything that he saw in life, even the things of God, he to approach him with doubt. And unfortunately... His way of thinking actually ushered in an era of skepticism and doubt. Then the next person, notable person that I want to cover is David Hume. And David Hume got a lot of the teachings from Rene Descartes. And so he began to argue, well, if that's true, then everything, the only things that I can be certain of are the things that I can touch and see. If I cannot touch and see, if I cannot see with my own eyes, then it cannot be true. And then comes a man by the name of Immanuel Kant, which many of us have heard. And here is what Immanuel Kant taught. What he taught was that the reality is that there was, if there was a God, if there was a God, there's no way we can ever know him and he would be someone, and that we can never know his character and who he is. And so he began to kind of, you know, teach this type of philosophy 
And the way he taught it is that he divided reality into two realms. The first realm is what he called the phenomenal realm, which is everything we see here, right? The, the physical ex existence, right? Things we touch. And, and that's what he called the phenomenal realm. The other realm is what he called the noumenal, the noumenal realm. And in this realm, even though it was reality, the reality, it was an unknowable reality. Unknowable. And so the idea was, if only the things that we can see and touch are real, and that area is unknowable, then why bother? Why bother seeking anything else? Just focus on what you can touch and see. And folks, that type of mentality has plagued humanity ever since. In fact, many people today at work, uh, maybe at school, your neighbor, when you talk to them about the things of God, sometimes they think, yeah, yeah, all that's great, but the reality is that we can never really know, so what's the point of, of pursuing? What's the point of trying to know? In fact, many of you know my father's not a believer, and he is not opposed to the idea of God, but when I talk to him, I hear a little bit of Kant's philosophy. He thinks, well, there's probably a God or something out there but there's, there's no way of really knowing. There's no really of really knowing this God. So why bother? I'm just going to focus on my life that I just see in my day to day. So folks, the reality is that so many people, when they view God, they don't bother pursuing, seeking the Lord because they think it's a fruitless endeavor. But folks, here's what God says. Write this down. It's letter B. And that is that God rewards skeptics who seek truth. Amen. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he what? Reward. What does he do? Reward. Yeah, he rewards those who seek him. You see, contrary to men like Kant and Hume, listen, the eternal God, the creator of mankind says, listen, I promise you that if you seek me, there will be a reward, and the reward is that you will find me. And I love that it says in Jeremiah 29, he said, God, the Lord says, listen, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But listen, can I encourage us? As we seek the Lord, as we draw closer to the Lord, may it be done in humility. Amen. Let me remind you that God does not have any obligation to prove to humanity that he exists. Amen. Just like a carpenter does not have any responsibility to show its woodworks that he does exist, just like that, our God does not have any obligation or responsibility to reveal himself, and if he ever never revealed himself, he would still be perfectly good and just. But here's what I love about our Lord. The Lord in his grace does otherwise. In fact, write this down as big number two, and that is that the invisible God gives you visible proof that he exists. And folks, this is what we call general revelation. Now, there's two types of revelation. One of them is general, general revelation. Everyone say general revelation. general revelation. Yeah. And there's another thing called special revelation. 
Special revelation, we're going to talk about it later on in this series, but today we're going to be tackling the concept of the general revelation of God's existence. And here's the first way, here's the first aspect of it. Write this down, letter A. And that is that God gives us proof through the created universe. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, listen to what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the what? The heavens. In other words, the cosmos, everything we see, the universe, and the what? And the earth. Now, it's interesting. I just want us to think about, approach God's word critically. It's interesting that the first thing that God does is not trying to beg little human beings that he exists. Instead, what he does is that he states absolute reality in the beginning, God. He is absolute reality. And the first thing that he mentions, notice, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse of the Bible, is actually proof that he, he does exist. In fact, what, he, what does he mention? The heavens and the earth, right? And family, listen to how important it is that the first thing that God mentions in his word is the heavens and the earth. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 1. Let's leave the book of Genesis and go to Romans chapter 1 for a moment. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly, what, perceived, they've been clearly seen ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without what? So they are without excuse. So do not miss this. The very first thing that God's word tells us about God, that he created the heavens and the earth, is the very thing Romans 1 tells us that it is the primary proof of his existence. And folks, listen, when you look around the world, it is undeniable proof of God's eternal power and his divine nature, divine nature. In fact, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Psalms 19, and listen to what it says. It says, the heavens, the cosmos, everything you see in the universe, listen, they declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork day after day, after day, after day, after day, after day, after day. What? They pour out speech. And night after night, after night, after night, they what? They reveal knowledge. You see, folks, every single day of your life, every time you look around, it is a daily, constant reminder that there is a God who exists. And just so that you can see it visually, watch this video and let it minister to your soul.
Hey, can we praise God for that? My goodness. And so here's where Romans chapter 1 is saying. That when every human being comes before the God of the universe, at the end of their life, and stand before God, and God looks deep into their eyes, into their soul. And they say, I just didn't know that there was a God who existed. The God of the universe will say, you have no excuse. Day after day, night after night, I revealed that there I divine my divine nature and my eternal power. It doesn't matter all those philosophical arguments that people may have, all those things they learn in college. Listen, when you stand before the God of the universe, that's when it gets real. And no human being will ever have to be able, could ever say, I had no idea you existed. Why? God has revealed himself through everything that you see every day of your life. Amen? Amen. And folks, here's what's amazing. Not only does God reveal himself through everything we see, but also here's a second aspect of general revelation. Write this down, letter B. Proof, he shows us proof through a universal moral law in our conscience. Now listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. He says this, For when Gentiles, meaning people other, other than the Jewish people, who do not have the law, in other words, the, the Jewish Old Testament law, by nature do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is what at all campuses? It's what? Written. It's written on their hearts. You know, one of the arguments that atheists have against God is that they say, well, if there is a God, how can that God be so cruel? How can that God be so unjust? But here's what they fail to ask themselves. How do they know what's unjust? How do you know what's good? How do you know what's bad? You see, throughout all cultures, the reality is that we all use phrases like, hey, don't take that from me. Don't steal. That's mine. Hey, don't hurt me. I, I haven't done anything to hurt you. Hey, come on. Keep that promise that you made to me. You see, across society, across humanity, we all use terms like that because we abide by a set of moral, basic moral standards. And those people that say, well, I don't abide by those moral standards that you say, the moment you wrong them, the next day they're clamoring of why have you wronged them this way. Isn't that right? And fam, listen, someone, someone must be the one that creates that standard, right, and inputs it into every human heart. And don't miss this because one of the proofs of God is that he imprinted his moral law into our hearts and we instinctively know what's good and what's bad. That's why no one argues that 9-11 was wrong. No one argues that the Holocaust was wrong because there's something in our human nature that we know what's good and what's bad. And here's what's amazing. Not only does he imprint his own law into our hearts, he also gives us a mechanism to know when we violate 
his law. And that is what we call a conscience. In fact, if you think about it, it's what separates us from the animals, right? We have a conscience. We have God's moral law in us. In fact, listen to how the verse continues. It says that they show that the work of the law, the moral law, is written on their hearts while they are what? Conscience. While their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. And family, here's why general revelation is important for us to understand. It's because general revelation is enough, listen, is sufficient to hold us accountable and culpable before God. And, and so here's a, a, a way for you to understand it. Creation that created order, it proves that there is a God who exists, right? Everywhere you look, there's a God who exists. It's evident. However, the morality, the moral law, and our conscience, listen, it proves that we have sinned against that God. You see how it works? And, and so, folks, when, when, when we look at the reality of life, God's word makes it very clear that we have all, that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. See, the reality is I don't care who you are. The reality is that deep in our hearts, a human heart knows that there is a God and that we have sinned, that we have violated the law in us. We all know we have done things wrong. We all know we are not perfect. There's things in our hearts that we are not proud of, right? We all know there's something in us that we have sinned against this God who exists. And listen, what we deserve for sinning against an eternal God is actually eternal death. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is what? Yeah. Is death. And the soul who sins shall what? So what? Shall die. You know, the, the reality is, that what we deserve for sinning against a holy, righteous, eternal God is eternal death and eternal separation from that God who we've sinned against. You know, the reality is that what we deserve obviously is death. And what God's Word says that because of our sin, listen, where humanity is on its way is to spend eternity without God in a place called hell. And I know for those of you who are new, maybe that word hell seems like a little heavy. I understand that, but it's the truth of God's word. We're going to be separated from God for our sin. And if you have more questions about this, I want to encourage you, join one of our small groups. We're going to have two sessions covering this specific topic, and it's going to clarify all of your questions. But folks, here's the amazing thing about God. Even though what he should do is just turn his back on us and walk away from us because sinful man has sinned against the eternal God. What he does is that he turns around and does quite the opposite. In fact, write this down as big number three. Listen, the invisible God gives you visible proof, not only that he exists, but that he loves you as well. Amen? You see, this is where Immanuel Kant went wrong. You see, for Kant, 
We could never know anything about God, right, in the physical realm, in the numinal realm. But first of all, he failed to realize that everything he saw proves that there is a God. And here's what's amazing about God. He said that you could never know God, but God breaks through this barrier, so to speak, and to show us who he is, his character, and the fact that he loves and wants a relationship with us. And how does he do that, Omar? Very simple. Write this down as letter A. He does that through his visible son. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Colossians 1. It says, he's speaking of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. He is the image, notice, the image of the invisible God. You see, you may be asking, well, pastor, how, how could it be that Jesus Christ in Christ God shows us how much he loves us. How does that work? It was so long ago, I don't understand that. Well, here's what God's word says. But God shows his what? His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ the Lord, he's died for us. In fact, just to make it a little more personal, just read it to yourself almost in a personal way. In fact, listen, listen carefully. But God shows his love for me. Say, for me. for me. Yeah, that while I was still a sinner, while I was rebelling against God, while I was running away from God, while I was doing all those things that I am so ashamed of, even when I was doing all of those things, Christ died for me. Yeah. Amen? You see, Christ died for us in order to pay for our sins. See, instead of us paying for our own sins with our own death, eternal death, Christ came down to die for you so that you wouldn't have to. And you know what's interesting throughout God's word? The primary way that God shows his love for you and for me. Listen, it's not by what new car he allowed you to buy. It's not by that new house you bought. It's not by that job promotion that you just got. It's not because of your family and your children. Listen, all those things are wonderful gifts of God. Absolutely, but make no mistake about it. The way that God shows that he loves you is not through the physical things you have in your life or the circumstances, but rather it's because of the fact that God the Father gave his son for you to die on a cross. And listen, whenever you think of a cross, when you think of that rugged cross, listen carefully, let that be the reminder of God's unending love for you. Some of you might today may be skeptics. Some of you may be believers already. And maybe you're thinking that God has forgotten about you. He did not forget about you. He did not forget about you because if he gave his one and only son to die for you, to show his love for you, to rescue you from your sin, how can you ever doubt God's love in your life right now? And every time you think of that cross, listen, it's a reminder that God loves you so much that he would rather let his son suffer and die than spend eternity without you. What the Lord wants for you and for me, listen, what he wants for you is simply to have a personal relationship with you. 
that your sin does not block your relationship, but he wants a personal relationship with you. And here is how you can have a relationship with God. Listen to what it says in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved you. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes, listen, they will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. You know, the reality is that the way that you can get right with God, start a relationship with a God who loves you, it's not about a tradition. It's not about a little ritual you did when you were a child. It's not about how good or bad of a person you are. It's very simple. The God of the universe says, if you want a relationship with me, you need to come to a point where you put your trust and your faith in what my son did for you at the cross. His life, his death, and resurrection. And here's what's amazing. The moment that you come to Christ in faith and you say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life. I need you in my life. I, gotta, I, I, I need you, God. Here's what he does. He forgives you of all of your sin. All those things right now that you walked into one of our campuses, all of that shame, all of that sin, all of those mistakes that you know and he knows, he forgives you of those sins. Why? His son died for you already. He paid the price. Then what he does is that he adopts you as a son and daughter. You start a personal relationship with God. And then you start this new journey with the Lord that will not only last the rest of your life here on earth, but for all eternity. You see, because you put of your faith and trust in Christ, listen, for all eternity, you have a personal relationship with the God who loves you and gave his life for you. The question is, listen, will you come to a point today, surrender your life, and put your trust in Christ? Let's bow our head for prayer at all campuses. And Father, today we... For those of us who are already believers, oh Lord, we just are just very thankful that today we were reminded, wow, there is a God who exists and that he loves us with an unending love. And through the highs and lows in life, I will never forget that our God loves me. My God loves me. Thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. And today, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today at all of our campuses who may perhaps you know that you need to get right with God. Maybe perhaps you've been away from God for a long time and it's almost like you need to recommit your life to the Lord. It's time. It's time for you trying to do life by yourself. And so listen, if that's you, I want to lead you through a prayer and I always like to remind you, listen, when you pray this, you never pray to me. I am only a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who gave his son to die for you. He's waiting for you, not with crossed arms, judgmental. He's waiting for you with open arms. Amen. And so that's you at all campus. If you feel that you need to get right with God and put your faith in the Lord, pray this prayer with me. Father, today I was reminded, Lord, that not only do you exist, oh Lord, there is a God who exists, but Lord, there's a God who loves me. Even in all of my sin, oh Lord, you love me in all my mistakes. So, Father, I come before you, oh Lord, today, and I put my trust and my faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
I no longer put trust in my traditions or ritual, but Father, I put my trust and my faith in what Jesus did for me. Forgive me of all of my sins, O Lord. Make me your own, and Lord, for the rest of my life, help me to live a life that honors you and brings you glory, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for saving me today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we encourage all those today, yeah, that pray that prayer? And here's what I want to encourage you. Listen, in a few moments, there's no better way to end service than to sing one more time and worship our amazing God. Amen? But listen, for those of you, so in a few moments we're going to stand up and we're all going to worship. It's going to be great. But for those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe today you are recommitting your life to the Lord, listen, I want to encourage you to do something. It may take a little courage, but I think it will be a huge blessing to your life. You know, as we are all standing at all campuses, okay, and we're all singing and, and, and enjoying the, the end of service, listen, if you feel like, man, I pray that prayer, I'm ready to start my walk with the Lord, at each of our campuses, all right, including here, there's going to be a pastor right in the front, okay, and if you pray that prayer, all right, if you, listen, here's what, we want you to come to the front because we have a brand new Bible to give you, it has a lot of great stuff inside, and we want to ask celebrate with you and help you take the next steps. We got all these great things for you. And, and, but, but listen, here's what I want to remind you. There's a, there's a story in the Bible where there's a woman who, Jesus, who, who, who when Jesus was walking by, she touched the Lord and she was impacted by the Lord. And it's interesting, she tried to recede into the crowd, but the Lord said, no, 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 come, 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 come. And it was a moment of celebration, and, we were a and they were able, it was a special moment in that lady's life. And folks, that's exactly what this is for you. We're all going to be singing. Is that about making up? It's just about celebrating, and I would love just to get to know you. Just shake your hand, give you a hug, give you a Bible, and help you take your next steps, right? And so when we stand up in a few moments, listen, can we all agree if somebody, if people want to come by at our campus to come to the front? Yeah? Can we all agree? Listen, last night, many people came to the front. Many people came to front. It was a really special moment. I want the same for you, okay? So in a few moments, I'll be right here. We'd just love to say hi to you, and then we'll be concluded, all right? So everyone, go ahead and stand up at all campuses. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, come to the front. We'd love to say hi to you and give you some stuff, right? Love you all. Thank you so much.
Anybody else? Come on, front. Can we give a shout of praise to God and encourage all those people who came to the front? Amen. Hey, Pastor Damien, go ahead and lead some of them to the front. Listen, I, I want to encourage you, if you did not come to the front, listen, we still want to connect with you. It's a moment of celebration. It's a moment to, to really help you in your walk with the Lord. So as you leave, listen, go by the Next Step booth at all campuses. There we can connect with you. We'll give a Bible for you, and we can help you take steps in your walk with God. Don't recede into the night. Listen, come step forward. Let us help you take your walk with the Lord to the next level. Amen. Can we encourage all those at all campuses? Amen. Glory to God. Okay, well, listen, I would encourage you to be back next week. Today, we've answered the question, does God exist? He does, and He loves us. Next week, we're going to answer the question, did God really create everything? And if he did, what's the purpose of it? Think about it. Why did God take that first step and create everything? Well, we're going to find out next week as we dive into God's Word again. So be back. Bring a friend. It's going to be great. All right? Love you all. Have a great weekend.